We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. the points brought to you by my bookie my name is matt lamarca you can find me on twitter at matt lamarca and i'm joined as always by my co-host kyle Dvorak, who you can find on twitter at kyle tweets here kyle what's going on man not much we had like a i had a middling like a literally middling 2-2 last week uh unfortunately the two that i won were the two that you faced off with me against uh all of this this is uh it's the air yards by low model of you and me betting against each other and it's all coming now <laughs> listen uh i went 0 four this week i am not ashamed to say it i feel like anything could have happened in those games like i could have very easily gone two and two and you could have gone zero and four mm-hmm. i got i got bailed out with the we got the my or my bookie had the houston line at two and a half other places with three which would have been a push for me and all, like it was it was overtime so it could have been a loss regardless of what that right. like buffalo was up 16 nothing in that game and then just like you know josh allen just completely peed his pants which i mean that you know i guess that it, is why that uh, first year quarterback playoff trend is so pr- profitable because he definitely got a little bit deer in the headlightsy. And then the Eagles thing, like as soon as Josh McCown came in, I felt like I was that 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 yeah, was pretty that's much a, that's a bad and they still a, hung around. Mm-hmm. So but yeah, I ended up the exact same score as last time, and they they you know I it's a shame for for Carson Wentz what's happened to him like at, at just at, like. Yeah, I the the rhetoric that he's injury prone sucks because it's a series of unrelated injuries. It, I mean, like we see this all the time. Like I think it was like 
Matt Stafford, who like I was hardly even like hardcore. I wasn't even hardcore into football, but like the first two years, he missed a handful of games, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's injury prone. He can't, you know, can't play him anymore." And he has not missed a game since then until this year, which is a long shirt. Like I don't know, injuries are mostly random. That's kind of nonsense. And look what he did with the quarterbacks he had this year. Kind of a shame for him to go out like that. But you know, we got uh, a final. I would have uh, probably a final game from McCown at first time making the playoffs in a seventeen year career. So uh, although it cost you a bet. It was good, good content. It may have cost me a bit. I'm not, I'm not saying that the Eagles were going to win that thing if Wentz stayed healthy, but I hear you. I feel for the guy, like, you know, his team has made the playoffs a bunch, but the guy has played like one quarter of playoff football in his career so far. So uh, hopefully he can do a similar turnaround to Matt Stafford and and can actually uh, stay healthy now moving forward. Before we get into this week, I just want to take a brief second to talk about Rotoviz. Uh, right now, you can sign up for a 10% off a yearly subscription at the podcast homepage. That's rotoviz.com slash podcast. I personally think this is a great time of the year to take advantage of the Rotoviz subscription. If you're in a, in dynasties or if you're just like a, a guy who likes to go a little bit deeper than you'll find on most fantasy websites. Rotoviz is your spot. They're going to cover all of the draft prospects for the upcoming draft. They're going to cover the guys that, you know, are going to be going in the sixth, seventh round, even like priority free agents. So if you like to do your homework on that kind of stuff, if you want to be one step ahead of all your buddies in your dynasty leagues, this is a great time to hop on board, get that 10% discount, support the podcast and just get all geared up for, for draft season. Uh, once again, rotoviz.com slash podcast for a 10% discount off an annual subscription. All right, j- some general divisional round trends. I looked these up for the wild card, and there wasn't really anything to like feel comfortable with. Like underdogs had a slight edge, road teams had a slight edge, but nothing that you really felt good about. In the divisional round since 2003, there have been some profitable trends here. So underdogs, 38, 24, and one against the spread. That's good for an 18.6% return on investment. Visitors are 36, 27, and one against the spread. That's almost 11% ROI. And then road underdogs have at least seven points. And we have three of those this week. They are 20, 12, and two against the spread. So that's just under 20% return on investment. So uh, I think these are interesting to think about, right? Like, I, I would imagine most people would assume the divisional round teams are typically better and they are coming off of rest in terms of, you know, like the favorites in those, uh, in most cases, right? So uh, I don't know if that maybe means the lines are a little bit inflated in those teams' directions, but history so far suggests that it has kind of been profitable to to take the teams that played last week and and fade some of the uh you know the teams that were better during the regular season and and earn themselves a buy. Yeah, and I think we looked at like uh like a few times at different ways to look at rest during the regular season and it seemed like it was more like the market had at best caught up to it if not like maybe over adjusted for it. So, like I think that is something especially when you you get a lot of these bets in the playoffs, maybe that is something that just like these are the the markets overplaying stuff like that. So I think also it's just exciting that these edges are like way more prominent in the divisional round than they were in the uh, wild card round, like you said. Right. All right. Let's uh, let's start. Four thirty five p.m. Eastern time. We have the uh, Saturday. This is 
Minnesota Vikings headed to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. The 49ers are favored by seven points. Total on this game is 44 and a half. So Minnesota, uh, I think we kind of were on on the page that they were being a little bit undervalued last week. I mean, we both ended up siding with the over in that game as our favorite bet, but I think we both kind of agreed that, you know, eight points, seven and a half points was probably a bit too many. Uh, and they looked really good. You know, they had their offense going. Adam Thielen looked really good coming back from his injury. Uh, we know that they can play a little bit of defense. So what do you think about them this week against the 49ers? Yeah, I kind of, I would say roughly I feel the same way. And I mean, like, you know, San Francisco is a team that has, like, been dominant against the spread because of their expectations going into the season. They, I mean, when you were the best team in the league by some measures and you end up, uh, and, like, your what their their line at the beginning of the season was probably, like, a 500. So when you do that, it's easy to beat the spread consistently. But they have been one of the best teams. I still think I'll be siding like uh, like all the trends are pointing to Minnesota, like the the underdogs, the visitors, the uh, this one that we talked about last week, and we have it again. QBs making first uh, first playoff starts versus veterans of playoff starts. Like everything points to Minnesota, and I don't think we give, or at least I don't think this line gives enough credit to the Vikings going into New Orleans and beating the Saints, what I thought might have been the best team in the league. That is like a monumental win. And I guess like if you want to look at it like uh, like ELO ratings or something like that, that is a huge swing being able to beat a team like that when you look at what the spread was in New Orleans. Like that is a should massively adjust how you view the Vikings, especially when like they were coming off of like, I think they were like, one and three in their final four. I mean, one of those, they didn't really play at all, but like they, they looked not that good against solid teams. And this is a complete switch of the narrative. I'll, I'll take all of the, um, I'll take all of the trends with a Vikings team that we backed last week. Yes, I, I agree. I, uh, I think that San Francisco is the better team, right? But this is just a little bit too many. Um, you know, in terms of just total DVOA, San Francisco is fifth. Minnesota is seventh. Uh, both of these teams are top 10 on both sides of the ball in terms of DVOA. Minnesota's 10th on offense, seventh on defense. San Francisco is seventh on offense and second on defense. So uh, I, I think these teams are, are pretty balanced for the most part. And I just, again, I like getting the veteran quarterback, uh, especially considering that this isn't like last week where all the quarterbacks making their first playoff start, for the most part, were underdogs, right? Like, Jimmy Garoppolo is a full touchdown favorite, essentially. So, I think that he might struggle a bit in his first playoff game. Uh, 33, I'm sorry, 13-33-1 against the spread. Our first start quarterbacks against a QB with playoff experience. Uh, and, and that was, I'm honestly just on a side note, just happy for Kirk Cousins, you know, like that guy's taken a lot of abuse for not being able to win the big game, not being able to come through in the clutch. Uh, I have partaken in in some of that abuse. I certainly was saying like, I don't think that this guy deserves to be a $30 million quarterback, but that guy made throws when he needed to that throw to Thielen in overtime to set them up. And then the, the third down jump ball to, uh, Kyle Rudolph, like he, he made the throws when they needed him. So Shout-outs to him. Hopefully he can uh, give us another competitive contest this week. 
Yeah, and I, I just think um, even I, I would say on offense, the Vikings, like their DVOA over the year, probably was not helped by the fact they lost Adam Thielen for uh, like a good, probably close to half the season. And they lost Alvin Cook for the final two games. I don't know how much running backs matter, but if we were to pick out a handful of running backs that did, Dalvin Cook would. But I do think Adam Thielen, more importantly, has been one of the better receivers over the past few years. And losing for a half season and still managing to be a top 10 offense is, is darn impressive of this team. And, uh, yeah, all, all the trends are just, like, you should have Minnesota highlighted in bold, bold yellow based on all the trends and based on, in my opinion, what they did last week. So I'll be taking them, and I'll, I'll be thinking about – we had last week, both of us also, um, not the best week, like 2-2, two and two, still losing to the VIG and obviously on 4 not great. More importantly, I guess, or at least somewhat importantly, we both, although both also lost on our plays of the week. Right. Uh, I will be considering this Minnesota team for my play of the week. Agreed. All right, next game, we have the Tennessee Titans at the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens Ravens are favored by 9.5 points. Total on this game is 47. Uh, this one is probably, in my opinion, the hardest game of the week for me to come up with a, with a side that I like here. Uh, I think Baltimore has been the best team for most of the year. I do think Tennessee is very good, though, and... Like, Baltimore is still a young, somewhat inexperienced team. We don't know a ton about, uh, you know, like, Mark Ingram's status at the moment. I think he was a little bit limited, at least, early in the week. So this might be a spot where Tennessee I, could surprise. I don't know. What do you think about this game here, Kyle? Never bet on Tennessee. You can't make me. You won't make me bet on Tennessee, although I do think I successfully bet on them once or twice uh, after you kind of I, – I had to have a, a coming – coming to Christ moment where I accepted that they're probably a pretty solid team, despite the fact that I, I, my preconceived notions of Ryan Tannehill, but I do think new England essentially laid out the blueprint to beating them last week. Uh, like before the, before the pick six, it was a, a very competitive game in the sense that new England, uh, like new England was going to probably lose the spread no matter what, but it was a competitive game in the sense that we saw the, the Tennessee offense really couldn't get much going despite how amazing, uh, Derek Henry continues to be goes for 182 yards and they still put up two offensive touchdowns because they forced the ball into Ryan Tannehill's hands against a good defense. And he like, or they, they like, they basically shut him down. He went eight of 15. And they just happened to be able to ride Derek Henry to a low scoring victory. I, I, I can't imagine that is how you are going to beat the Baltimore Ravens is, is ride a running back to a low scoring victory. Cause I just will not, uh, I can't imagine any defense, let alone uh, like not the best defense in Tennessee stopping Lamar Jackson. So I don't think they're set up to win against a team like the Ravens, whereas they were essentially set up to win a, a defensive battle against a Patriots team that was like dead to rights on offense. They didn't have a, they didn't have much of, of, of a chance with the weapons they were working with across the board. So I, like it's a large spread, and I don't know if I'll bet it, but I really want to bet it. I'll take Baltimore in the spot. Yeah, so a couple of things to think about here. One is that I, I do think the under has some appeal here. Like outdoor Yeah, that's a, good, unders, that's, that's a good point, actually. Outdoor unders in the playoffs have been super, uh, super profitable since uh, we've been tracking them at Action Network. 75, 56, and 4 against the spread. Uh, that's like an 11% ROI on a pretty large sample. And both of these teams do love to run the ball, right? Like, I know that Baltimore plays pretty fast and that their running attack 
can be like a quick strike type of ground attack. But I do think that both of these these teams keeping the ball on the ground should at least keep the clock moving and should chew up some possessions, chew up some clock. So uh, I think the under here has some appeal. And one thing that I do think is pretty interesting is that we do consider the 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 Ravens as to be like this juggernaut, right? But uh, Lamar Jackson as a home favorite is just three and eight against the spread. So uh, that's another thing. Again, like I I really don't feel great about a side in this game. I think that the under is going to be my favorite play. Uh, I'd probably lean towards Tennessee. But again, like it wouldn't shock me if if Baltimore just kind of came out and blew their doors off. Yeah, I, that that's kind of the the vibe I get. Like it, it reminds me almost of um, Baltimore playing Houston in that you had a good Houston team playing Baltimore, and you have the best team in the league potentially by a wide margin. Especially when you looked at like the the odds to win the to win the AFC. Uh, Baltimore was like incredibly high. Uh, like they were, uh, they were like um, against the field basically. I think they were like minus one ten or so. I don't know. They were they were very close to even, if not better than even, to make the uh, make the Super Bowl essentially. So for me, uh, I kind of get vibes from that. But I do think uh, that you brought up the under is a very good point because these are two teams, Tennessee and Baltimore, that are twenty second and thirty second in pace of play. Uh, a lot of that because of how often they run, and I'm sure, uh, I'm sure, like if you adjusted for like how fast they're running, they probably run the ball fast. But you're still running the ball; you're not stopping the clock much. You're grinding away a lot of it. Two of the the slower teams, one literally the slowest team in pace in the NFL, and the other still easily in the bottom half. I think that is a, a very solid bet there, and probably the safe—not the safest, probably just the smartest way to play this game. Yeah, I will say that in terms of like DVOA. They calculate the spread at Football Outsiders based on those numbers, and they have Baltimore as favored by much higher than than what this line is currently. They have Baltimore as like a 12.5 point favorite in terms of just the DVOA numbers. So, uh, yeah, if you're if you're basing it like just solely off of Baltimore, like what they've done this season, they probably are the correct side. I just think there are, you know, maybe some more variables and questions that uh, that line doesn't account for. All right, before we move on, I want to talk to you guys about our friends over at my bookie. This is really one of the best times of year to be a sports fan. We've got maybe the best weekend in NFL football here. We've got four games for the playoffs uh, between, you know, theoretically the eight best teams in the league. We've got the NCAA football championship on Monday, NBA, NHL, college basketball is in full swing. So much stuff going on, and there's no better way to to just be a part of that action than to start making some bets with my bookie. If you do want to get off the sidelines, they are offering a 50% deposit bonus right now, so up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use promo code ROTOVIZ to activate the offer. Once again, promo code ROTOVIZ to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. And you can bet on virtually everything over there. Sides, totals, money lines, player prop bets, parlays, teasers. If you want to bet on it, you're going to find it over at MyBookie. So once again, head over to MyBookie.ag. Use promo code ROTOVIZ to activate the 50% deposit bonus offer and start making some money for the playoffs. 
MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, and you get paid. So I have a, I have a question for you. Uh, yeah. Completely nothing to do with it, like any of like uh, necessarily what we're betting. How close do you think we got to getting the eight best teams in this round? You, you brought it up during the read, and I'm just genuinely curious. How close do you think we got? Um, well, certainly for me, New Orleans would be in. Uh, I know that they lost to the Vikings, uh, but like you kind of said, you thought they might have been the best team. I definitely thought that they were the best team. I had some money on them to win the Super Bowl, despite the fact that they didn't have a first round bye. I think with at least six of these teams deserve to be considered in the top eight. And then, you know, like Houston for me is on the bubble and the Seahawks are on the bubble. So, you know, I would say that New Orleans should definitely replace one of them. And then I guess we can start getting into some other teams, um, you know, maybe like Buffalo, like I don't know. I, I I think for the most part the best teams got through, but there might be one or two exceptions. Yeah, I feel like I feel similarly about New Orleans. Like we said, best team uh, or potentially the best team. Only one other team I would like even really consider like making a strong argument for is Dallas, just because they were the most efficient offense on a per play basis in the NFL. Uh, but like any time a team coached by Jason Garrett doesn't make it uh, an Angel gains its wings, so that's okay. <laughs> nice. All right, to me, this is the most lopsided game of the week, and it is reflected in the spread. Right now, we've got the Houston Texans. They are getting nine and a half points against the Chiefs. 51 is the total. So Houston squeaked one out. They got by on the skin of their teeth, but that doesn't change the fact that I think that this team is a fraud. Um, you know, like we talked about the, the Pythagorean win expectation trend in the uh last round of the playoffs and it didn't exactly come through it was one and two uh but if if houston loses which again i think that they should have then that trend moves to two and one and now this week we get to put it to use with a real team like the kansas city chiefs and a real quarterback like patrick mahomes so uh i think that this spread is too low dvoa agrees they have this spread set at like 14 and a half points so I, I love the Chiefs in this spot. I think that they're going to come out and just blow the doors off the Texans. Dude, I love that. I I, I feel less confident than uh, than you do, but I do kind of agree that um, I think, one, when you look at uh, like what Houston has done over the year, very solid team, and that does include the fact that they've been working with just like a, a litany of injuries, which they are fully healthy from, plus the, the bye week to boot. Uh, like at multiple points dealt without uh, like Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill for what it's worth. I think Sammy Watkins was injured at one point. Uh, like my only, like, I guess one concern I would have is what Houston did when these teams last met and they were both relatively healthy. I think that was one of the games that uh, it's hard to tell if Sammy Watkins doesn't play or if he just doesn't record a single stat because he's, <laughs> he's not good, but I don't think he played in that game. He's so bad, uh, but I, I don't think he played in that game uh, or maybe he got injured in the game. But um, the the Texans won that game outright by a touchdown, and uh, they did like they looked like not only they didn't look like the team that got killed by Baltimore. I guess is the best way to put. It. And I do think that uh, Baltimore and the Chiefs are on a similar level. So, like, what do you make of that game? And in general, what would you make of a like the prior history of the of any teams, let alone these teams? My take, and I don't have. The numbers to back this up so this is going to be purely like empirical <laughs> but I think it's tough to beat the same team twice in a year 
you know, like, uh, it, it's different if it's like a divisional opponent that there's some familiarity with, but like, I think it's tough if, if two teams meet during the regular season and then play again. I would think that the team that lost has a little bit of an edge. And again, like I, I have nothing to back that up. So, yeah. So I kind of, as you're saying that I'm kind of thinking that I would like to add to that is especially in my opinion, in general, when you have teams that meet, uh, I think the team that can benefit more from regardless of what the outcome is, but probably losing would be even better because your, your, your flow, your flaws are exposed would be the team that is coached better and like, which team, which one of these teams is coached better? It's the Andy Reid team. It's obviously the Andy Reid team over the Bill O'Brien team. So I think out of, uh, regardless of the outcome, but even more so maybe out of a loss, the team that can gain the most and profit the most from the experience versus their opponent would be a team with a better coach. And that, that's Andy Reid and the Chiefs. Yeah, I will say that Andy Reid has some pretty scary against the spread numbers in the playoffs. Um, he is 5-9 and nine against the spread as a favorite. He is three and seven against the spread at home in the playoffs. Like he's a guy that that is a great coach. I love Andy Reid. That guy puts together a offense like nobody's business. But he has not been a guy that has come through for us in the playoffs very often. Uh, I will say that his most, uh, you know, his best round has sort of been the divisional round. He's uh, he's four and three against the spread in the divisional round. He's 1-0 in the Super Bowl, which I guess that's nice. Good for you, Andy. He is 1-3 in the championship, and he's 2-5 in the wild card round. So, again, these are all very small numbers. Um, I don't really read into that a ton. And, I, again, I do think that the, the talent differential between these two teams should be enough that it doesn't really matter. But for what it's worth, Andy Reid's coaching history in the playoffs has been a little bit dubious. All right, last game of the week. I'm calling this the Fraud Bowl. I don't know if you have a problem with that, Kyle, but... I like it, I like it. 6.40 p.m. on a Sunday, we have the Seattle Seahawks headed to Green Bay to take on the Packers. Green Bay is four-point favorites. Total on this game sits at 47. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts for me here? Yeah, so uh, I think to start off with this being the fraud bowl, you would start with Seattle, in my opinion, start with Seattle uh, being like so close or so advantageous in close games, which is a a largely unrepeatable stat. Uh, And both of these teams, I guess, because I don't have faith in much of either of these teams, I do like looking at the over here. We've got two teams that are average to below average in terms of defensive DVOA. And two very successful teams in offensive DVOA. Seattle had the fifth best offense and the 18th best defense in DVOA. And uh, on the other hand, Green Bay are eighth and 15th respectively. And I especially think Green Bay as a team has gone, has like continued to get worse throughout the season as a defense. So for me, I, I'm looking at this over 47 and I could very much see both of these teams going back and forth and scoring. What do you make of our spread here? Cause I don't have a strong lean, although uh, like, I think Aaron Rodgers at home uh, is probably, we've talked about all season, probably a bet I'd be looking to go back to. But, uh, like, what what is your take on that? Yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers at home is nice. But to me, like, Russell Wilson as an underdog is almost as powerful. Like, to me, those two trends kind of even each other out. And the reason I've been calling this the fraud bowl is if you look at these teams in terms of Pythagorean win expectation, like I talked about Seattle last week being a fraud. They outperform their Pythagorean win expectation by roughly 18%. 
Green Bay has been even worse. They're over 20% differential. So uh, I have not been impressed with Green Bay virtually all season. You know that I have my qualms about Seattle, but I, I would set this spread at three, right? Like I would just give Green Bay three points for being at home and call it a day because I think that these two teams are basically even. So with that in mind, I will uh, I'll grab the extra point with Seattle. I love the fact that I know I have Russell Wilson. So if this game is close late down the stretch, I can, uh, I'll at least have that in my pocket. So I'm taking the, uh, the, the points with the underdog. I don't really have a great feel on the total because these teams are so Jekyll and Hyde. Like who knows what you're going to get from either of these teams. Like Seattle should have you would have expected them to put up a ton of points against the Eagles last week, and they just didn't. And I never know what I'm getting from Green Bay. Like, I watched them in Week 17 in a must-win game, and Aaron Rodgers was sailing balls over everybody's head. Like, he played awful. If Aaron Jones didn't have a good game, they might have lost to Detroit. So I really don't know what to do with the total, but I do think that I like uh, Seattle getting a couple points here. Yeah, I don't know what you mean by you haven't been impressed by Green Bay with uh, two wins over the Lions by a combined score of four over them, like a combined (laughs) advantage of four over them, two one-score games versus the Bears. I mean, they beat the Redskins by a whopping five, the Panthers by eight. They only lost to the Chargers by 15. Like, I was actually—I was just—dude, oh, how do they play so close to so many bad teams? Jesus, like— Come on, have some self-respect, Aaron Rodgers. Like you look at the like, and like you said, like the uh, uh, Ben Baldwin's thread of Ben Baldwin's thread of of Aaron Rodgers slander was peak with the uh, like the the highlights from him versus the Lions sailing. Just wow, like man, it was he, bad. It was like, really bad. That was and... not like how you dog Aaron Rodgers for throwing the ball away too much or uh, like just playing generally conservative, yelling at his receivers. That was legitimately awful quarterback play. Yeah, he had Aaron Jones on one like wheel route where Jones had to have about four yards of separation and he just launched it on him. It was it was the worst game I've ever seen Aaron Rodgers play. So I've always been an Aaron Rodgers stan. Like I love that dude, but I'm I'm starting to, to feel the end for him. So you know, Russell Wilson, like you've cost me money all year with your fraudulent Seahawks team. I think it's time for you to give some back to me and and just come through from my side for once. All right, let's wrap the show up. We've got our my bookie book it picks of the week. Uh, we mentioned this at the top of the show, but I was 0-4. Uh, obviously, that means I lost my pick of the week. Kyle was 2-2, two and two, and unfortunately, Kyle also dropped his pick of the week. So uh, we're going to reset the records for the regular for the uh, postseason. That gives you a nice little start here. You are uh, two and two and I am 0 and four. So let's make our picks here. I'm going to start by taking Minnesota plus seven. I'm going to take the under in the game between the, the Titans and the Ravens. I am going to hold my nose and take Andy Reid and the Chiefs minus nine and a half. And I am going to take Seattle plus four. Yeah, so last week we went head-to-head on two bets. This week we will go not only head-to-head on none, but I, I think we are like relatively largely in agreement here. Uh, I mean, I, I my bets would affirm that. Minnesota plus seven, Seattle plus four. 
Chiefs minus nine and a half. The only difference I have is I'm actually just going to take Baltimore. Uh, I just think they're a massively better team. And the only reason I, I considered swapping in uh, the Baltimore Tennessee under at 47 for like maybe my Chiefs call, but it's hard for me, like, you know, with these large spreads. If uh, if Baltimore blows out Tennessee, there's a decent chance they get there on their own. And even if not, like when they when they cover a spread by ten, that's a lot of points to generate in general. So it's it's hard for me to like uh, reconcile both of those across my four bets. So instead, I, I feel more confident about Baltimore winning than I do about this game on the whole going under. All right, and for my pick of the week, I'm going with the Chiefs minus nine and a half. Uh, again, Houston. Congratulations on pulling that game out of your just rear end last week against the Bills. But it's time for you to go home. It is time for you to go home. Yeah, for for my pick, I have Seattle plus four. I mean, this is so easy with how dusty Aaron Rodgers is. Like, get him, get Brady out of here. Honestly, they already kicked Drew Brees out. Get all these old dusty quarterbacks out of here. Uh, Aaron Rodgers included Seattle plus four. Book it. All right. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Lang the Points. For Kyle, who you can find on Twitter, at KyleTweetsHere. I'm Matt LaMarca, at Matt LaMarca. Thanks for tuning in. I personally get so much more out of the show when I just... Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.